Hi, thank you for listening to Trinity San Diego Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in with us, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message will encourage you. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, you can partner with us to reach others by investing at trinitysandiego.org. Thanks once again. Now here's Pastor Todd. If you have your Bibles, uh, please turn to Acts uh, 23 verses 1 or 23 1 through 11. We're kicking off a new collection of talks titled Plan, Vision, and Dream. And this is all about the preparation of what's to come. And, and I believe that if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. Uh, that was pretty quiet there. If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. Amen. And when you have this pulse inside of you, you have a purpose that God has allowed you to live out. And I believe if you're not dead, you're not done. And there is something that God has more in store for you. So if you're in your elder years in this house today, there are still things that you can impart into this community and into this church and into the community abroad. And so we believe that there's still purpose as long as you have a pulse. And so uh, Acts 1 verses 1 through 11. It's kind of a, a lot of verses, but I'm going to set that up, and then uh, we'll go into another passage. And this is Paul before the Sanhedrin. It says, Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, my brothers, okay, I want to just stop there. I don't always do this. Maybe I always do it. Anyways, but uh, it, it says, my brothers. You see, what Paul was doing there, see, this is where you have to really allow Scripture to come alive to you. Imagine Paul is in a room, and there's all these people around, much like this, and he's on trial, and he's being testif- and he's, he's testifying in front of a group. He says, but, but he says, my brothers. You see, the thing is, is, is what he should probably always say is, my father not my brothers. So he was referring to these guys that he was on trial in front of as peers, okay? Are you with me? And he says, I have fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience to, the, to this day. At, the high, or at this, the high priest Ananias. Okay, Ananias was a guy that was corrupt, okay? He was in leadership, he was in, he was in power, but what he would do is he would actually, in some of my study, he would go and have rams or sheep that were um, not, worthy of being sacrificed, he would kind of cut corners with the priest to sacrifice these, ship, these sheep in hopes that he would, pay, uh, he would pay them. So he was really corrupt in leadership. And he says, at, the, at this, the high priest Ananias ordered those standing near Paul to strike him in the mouth. Isn't that kind of troubling for you? I mean, I'm kind of troubled by that. Then, it's, then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. You see, there's something significant in calling him a whitewashed wall. You know what that is? He's actually just calling him a bag of bones. He's saying, your words mean nothing based upon your actions that you are showing me. And then he says, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. You sit there and judge me according to the law. Yet you yourself violate the law commanded that I might be struck. Didn't he, Paul didn't raise his voice. He raised a question. And sometimes we don't need to always raise our voice. We need to raise a question. I'll just let that linger with you for, for a moment. Those who are standing near Paul said, how dare you insult God's high priest? Paul replied, brothers, I did not realize that he, was a high, that he was the high priest. For it is written, do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. Then Paul, knowing that some of them were Sadducees and others Pharisees, called out in the Sanhedrin, my brothers, again, he's using that peer-to-peer talk. I am a Pharisee, descendant from Pharisees. I stand on trial of the hope 
of the resurrection of the dead. When he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. Kind of sounds familiar. Anyways, uh, the Sadducees say that there, we'll, we'll, you'll get that probably tomorrow. Uh, the Sadducees uh, say that there is no resurrection, and there are neither angels nor spirits, but the Pharisees believe all these things. Then there was a great uproar, and some of the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, stood up and argued vigorously. We find nothing wrong with this man, they said. What if, uh, what if an, a spirit or an angel has spoken to him? We know that that's happened because Jesus spoke to him. The dispute became so violent that the commander was afraid Paul would be torn into pieces by them. He ordered the troops to go down and take them away from him and force them and bring him into the barracks. The following night... The Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem. So you must also testify in Rome. Now we're going to flip over to Philippians. It's interesting that both of these passages, Paul, by the world's standards, is locked up. He is in chains. And some of us feel locked up at times, and we don't know how God can truly move. So Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, it says... Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal. Paul's sitting in prison. Philippians, as we have our Bible, our Bible and breakfast that happens every month or every week for this month of November, we're, we're diving into Philippians. But it's probably Paul's joyous, most joyous book, but yet he's written it in prison. It says, now that I've already obtained all of these or have already, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. Everyone say, press on. To take hold of which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters. So he doesn't leave anyone out. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Come on, who's excited to open God's word today? Uh, Today the title of my message is What Lies Ahead. What lies ahead? Let's pray. Father, be with us. Go into us and speak into this word. Make your word come alive. God, I pray that it will not fall on deaf ears, but you will show up in circumstances and situations. We love you, Lord, in your name. Everyone said? Everyone said? Come on, if you love Jesus, just make some noise for a moment. Come on. We love you, Facebook. We're so glad you've joined us as well all over the world. It's great. Um... Have, ever, have you ever wondered what your future holds? Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's like the most response I've ever gotten to a lead-in question. Uh, I think if you have a pulse, you've all, you've, we've all had that. We've all wondered, like, what, what is my future holding? What is in front of me? What is, what, what, what is there? And I think that in life, it's interesting. We look at what's in front of us, and we want what's in front of us, but yet we're worried about what's in front of us. Am I right? Yeah. We want the greatest things that are in front of us, the greatest days ahead of us, but yet we worry about those days because they're uncertain to us. And oftentimes uncertainty brings about a fear, brings about a worry, brings about uh, just, you know, we worry about tomorrow. And, you know, there's an old song that we used to, that, that you'd sing, you know, we only have this moment today, you can't worry about tomorrow. But the thing is, is that, is that we worry about tomorrow. And I believe that, that in this circumstance, we're worried about that bill that's due. We're worried about what's, but yet life continues to go and we get through it, right? Yeah. We get through it. 
We get through it through the process of just walking it out, putting one foot in front of the other, going and going and going. And and I think that that we oftentimes fear the unknown. We worry about being uncomfortable. We wonder if we are making the right moves. You ever had that? You ever had that moment where you're like, am I making the right move? Am I doing the right thing? And we want our visions and dreams. We want what's in front of us. We want what the future holds, but yet we're scared to look at the outcome. We're scared because of the outcome could be different than what we think. And here's Paul. Look at Paul. Paul is in, is chained up both times, both situations. How many have ever been to prison? Don't put your hands up. I'm kidding. (laughs) Paul is locked up. There's no hope of him getting out in either of these cases, right? 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 So by the world standards, those would probably be pretty crazy odds. Come on. Are you with me? Those are crazy, crazy odds. In Acts 23, he has a very uncertain future. He's on trial, yet he was bold in his plan and that God prepared him for his next assignment. You see, God is in the preparation season in your current assignment for your next assignment. And so often we want the next assignment, but we forget that he's preparing us in this moment. You see, if you're a farmer, you have to do what to the soil before you put the seed in it? You have to prepare the soil for the seed to to be put in it for it to grow. So therefore, what we have to do as people is understand that this current state, whatever you're walking through in this moment, is a preparation state for what is to come. And you have to operate in that, that it might seem challenging, it might seem daunting, it might take hard work. Because let me tell you, preparing some soil is hard work. Like digging that up, you know, and then what happens is that seed goes into the soil And then you have to let the dirt do its work. You have to let God do its work. We don't know what happens under that soil. But in in conclusion, what happens? Something grows. But you have to take the time. Where you don't understand it, you have to stand in it and trust that God will complete it, right? Even if it's uncertain, even if you don't understand what's happening. Then you have over here, then, then you have in Philippians, he's in jail. The impossible should be right there. There, That's an impossible situation where he's writing to the church of Philip. He's writing right right there. Terrified, stuck. He has no hope, but yet he knew there was more than the chains that he was currently in. And I've come to remind you that the very thing that you might be chained to could actually be the very thing that could be your breakthrough. It could be your breakthrough as to what is to come that's in the future. Because I think that sometimes when, we're, when, when we are in chains and when we are, are, are in bondage to certain things, that could actually be your megaphone to actually let God's voice out of your life into situations, into circumstances. Because I, I don't know about you, but in the past, there are things that I've walked through that have allowed me to become a mouthpiece and a megaphone for the gospel. And that's interpersonal. That's not from a pulpit or a platform. That's sitting down with somebody at coffee and saying, you know what, I've been through that. I've walked through that. I'm with you in that. Because the things that we walk through together, because friend, let me tell you, you're not alone. You're not alone. What you're walking through today, you're not alone. Look around this room. As I scan this room, people are walking through stuff. Paul was walking through some stuff. Locked up in chains. He knew that his God would supply all his needs according to his riches and his glory. That God sees you, friend. He knows what you're walking through. He knows what happens. And where others appear, where, where things appear to doubt, where you are in doubt, I, I'm going to tell you that your things, that the very thing that could be in your hand could be the thing that could change your family. It could change your city. It could change the outcome of the future based upon your chains right now. 
You see, a lot of it is about perspective, too. Because I have a little son. His name's Carter, right? Is his name Carter? I'm just checking to make sure you guys know, too. Okay, we're family. That's how we do things here. We're family. Yes, his name's Carter. And Carter, uh, by certain standards, he's on the autism spectrum, if you didn't know. And by certain standards for some people, they could say, oh, that could be a, a really big burden. That could be a chain. That could be a shackle. Because that could be the rest of your life that you're committed, which we are. But you know what that's actually become? What people look potentially as a burden actually has become the biggest blessing in our life. Because what it has done is it's given us an opportunity to have an inclusive ministry like Vibrant Lives, to have an inclusive ministry like Night to Shine, to have opportunities to love people outside of what we comprehend or understand. So when we looked at it as, as young parents, as, oh my goodness, I don't know what's going to happen, as a burden, maybe a chain, maybe a shackle, and that's just the honest truth, guess what? It's actually been a blessing in the process. So Paul, chained up, locked up, actually that became a blessing for his megaphone of the gospel going out. And Paul had dreams, right? We all have dreams. Do you have a dream? Yeah, we all have dreams. Dreams, hope, future. We desire great things in front of us. And Paul had a dream, and one of his dreams was to preach in Rome. And that dream came out kind of in a crazy way, and we'll get to that in a second. But I have three simple ways to give you hope for your future. Do you want them? There's three simple ways. They're practical. They're easy for you to take part in. Uh, But number one, it's pray for the plan about your future. Pray for your plan, or pray for the plan. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says it like this. Rejoice always. Pray sometimes. Pray when you feel like it. Pray when you have needs. Pray continually. All the time. I'm not you know, saying be weird and like, oh, do we go to Chick-fil-A or not? It's closed on Sundays, by the way. Um, <laughs> Kanye reference. Uh, hey, uh, just checking. If, anyways, we'll, go, we'll get that later. Um, but I'm not saying you have to be weird about it all because like, oh God, direct my pass. Where am I going to eat this afternoon? Like, if you want to do it, do it. That's okay. But I think that we have to pray continually because the rest of the verse also, also says, give thanks in all circumstances. Sometimes that's pretty hard, right? Sometimes that doctor's report comes back and you're like, oh Lord, I, can't, I don't know if I can give thanks in this circumstance. And then, this is, and then it says, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So what we need to do is we need to pray. And if we want the plan on how to move ahead, we must pray about the plan to move ahead. Because we need, do you, did you know this, that prayers are actually prophetic? Prayers are prophetic because you can't change your circumstance if you don't pray about it. Oh, it got quiet. It got quiet because so many times we want, a change, we want a life change in our circumstance, but yet we're not willing to pray about it. And when you actually get down and you pray about it and you pray continually, God will give you the plan in order for that to take place. And, and, and I think that, that, that oftentimes prayers are prophetic because what you won't pray about won't change, but what you are willing to pray about can change. What you are willing to pray about can change the the family, can change your kids, can change your relationships, can change your job, because you're praying about it. And, And really, as a coach, I used to coach college football, and I coached high school football, and I coached basketball, and I love to, I love athletics. Athletics are awesome. 
And it's a great kind of dichotomy of life. But one thing I would do, and Katie would understand this, is that I would game plan. And what I would do is I would prepare for the game that was upcoming, for the contest that was ahead of me. And I would sit down and I would watch film. I'd study how uh, different people would run routes. I would study their defense. I'd study their best player. I would study all of the details. I would find out if the guy on run plays would go and get lower in his stance so I could take advantage of it. There's so many things in a, in a way where you can go and you could take advantage in an athletic event. And sometimes I would go into, you'd have to go into the contest in a, with a plan in preparation because if I just showed up because those guys that are playing today on Sunday your favorite you're probably maybe some of you are checking your fantasy stats even right now that's awesome I'm not judging you Uh, only God can judge Uh, anyways but what one what they do is they plan the whole week in order for the one contest today they plan accordingly the whole week. And then we have you know, armchair quarterbacks that say, oh, the coach knows nothing. Well, you know what? Try being the son of a coach and try being a coach who spends their life planning in order for this game to take place. And sometimes it doesn't happen. But I think that that is kind of like life. That what we don't plan for and when we, or what, what we don't pray for through our, or what we don't plan through prayer what ends up happening for us is when we're in a contest and we haven't prayed about it, oh, let me tell you, it's a challenge. It's difficult. It's hard. You don't know how to walk that out. You're trying to figure it out when you haven't prayed through the plan before the plan is before the, the contest has actually ensued. You have to pray through the plan. You've got to pray continually at all times. They're prophetic. Prayers are prophetic. And one thing in my study of this message that I found is that Paul, prayed a lot i mean i i, I didn't re- I, let's just be honest on the pastor and can i just be vulnerable and take off the mask and be true i didn't realize how paul, how much paul actually did pray every letter if you read has has so much richness to it i'm praying for you i'm believing for you i i trust god for you i have faith for you i mean it's really profound that if, if it was good enough for paul it's probably who got the message out into the world it's good enough for us right we need to pray for the plan amen pray for the plan and i will tell you god will reveal it to you in due time when you create a margin of space and that's our word for 2020 is margin creating a margin for the miracle and when you create a space for God to move. I'm thinking of when, I, when we've created space for pray first. Pray first happens twice a year. It happens at the beginning of the year and it happens right in the middle of the year. And when you create a margin for God to move, he creates a plan for you to move. And you're creating space. And that, that looks like different for every person. That could be in your car. Um, I like having my, I have Apple AirPods. I put them in my ears uh, when I'm driving so it doesn't look like I'm crazy talking to myself because I'm actually praying to God when my AirPods are in. So if you see me just going in, it's because I have AirPods in and I'm pretending like I'm talking on the phone, but I'm actually talking to God. You have time in your car. Use it to your advantage. So many times we put on something and we're getting, we're getting fed the wrong thing and we're wondering why our plans aren't succeeding. Well, you know what? You need to pray that plan into existence. Jeremiah 29, 12 says it like this. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will what? Listen to you. And I'm just going to be honest. God will often execute the plan and make the plan a priority when you're willing to pray about it. He'll do it before you actually even understand or can get it. Next, number two, you got to voice the vision. You got to voice 
the vision. If you've been to church, you've heard these statements. Proverbs 29, 18 in the King James. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Perish in there means para, which means to become uncovered, loosened, or to run wild. Let me read that again. Para means para, or it comes from the root of para, and it says to become uncovered, loosened, or to run wild. And many of us in this statement right here of where there is no vision, the people perish, uh, we're in two categories. Number one, we're either in reactionary category. Reactionary people react to situations and circumstances around them. Or we're visionary people where we rely on the revelation that God has given us. And you can be both people, you know, depending upon your circumstance. Uh, I think about Peter in the garden <laughs> in John 18. He was both visionary and reaction. He's sitting in the, in the garden. Moments he broke bread. He was praying with Jesus. Jesus is arrested. And what does he do? He reacts. He cuts the guy's ears off. He's visionary in prayer, seeking, seeking God, trusting for what's going to come about. And all of a sudden, next, he goes and he cuts off the guy's ear. I'd probably say he was a visionary because that's the same guy that Jesus said he would build his church on. You can't talk about visionary without talking about Peter, right? Because Peter was the one that when the Holy Spirit came, went out into the public square when people thought they were drunk and said, hold up, just wait a second. No, no, they aren't, they're filled with something that you wouldn't even understand at this point. And many were saved because of what he did, because he took a step of faith. He was, he was a visionary, but yet he was a fisherman and he was kind of reactionary too, right? Yeah. And so here he is, and I think we can be both depending upon our circumstances. And the key is, is where are you getting your vision from? That's what I'm talking about because the reactionary people oftentimes get their vision and this isn't wrong to be reactionary because I can be reactionary from time to time. When my kids go crazy, you can, you can tell me I'm a little reactionary. Hey, Carter, chill. You know, I mean, like, like, let's just be honest. Are there any other parents in the room? Am I the only one that responds that way? Do you get it? Like, like I'm, I'm just going to be honest. There are times where I am reactionary and there are times where that's okay. But yet we have to be visionary because we got to get in the Bible to understand where our revelation comes from. And so where are you getting your vision from? Are you getting it from social media? That will just give you anxiety. Because all it does is you're comparing your highlight or their highlight reel to your real life. And it gives you straight up anxiety. You think, you know, have you ever been on the phone for two minutes and you've been on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever and you're just scrolling and you're joyous? And then you put that thing down, and for whatever reason, like two hours later, you are angry. Why? Because something on that social media gets into you, and it creates a different vision compared to what you had before. And what you have to realize is that social media is great in one sense, but it can't be the place where that provides your vision. There are great content on social media, but you can't get your vision from social media. You can't get your vision from the news. <laughs> I mean, so many of us get our vision from what's on television. Oh, we're doomed. <laughs> Honestly, we're doomed. The world is doomed. Oh, we're going down. No, you can't get your vision from there. Are, you getting, are, are we getting our vision from seeking approval of others? Our boss. Are we trying to get our vision from some, that we're just trying to do whatever we can to go, you know, are, are, even our spouse at times. You can't get your vision from your spouse. The only place that you can get 
your vision is from God Almighty. That's what happens is when we say get in your Bible, get to Pastor Bob's Bible class, get to a connect group, get to next steps. Why are we saying that? Because we're trying to create what our world has created reactionary people. We're trying to create as the church visionary people where we're not responding based upon how we feel. We're responding about what we read. Because I know for one, I sat down and I read this Bible and it gets inside of me. And guess what? I can live out what is inside of me. You see, I think that what happened, I'm going to bring this up. I wasn't planning on doing it. But what we've seen with Kanye West, it's actually been he studies the Bible. He gets it in him. And what we're seeing is an inner transformation that's actually coming out. And it's coming out in a form of a revival. We're seeing people come to Jesus that would never come to Jesus otherwise because of what is inside that single person. And I'm telling you, when you get revelation in the Bible, when you get understanding, you get greater vision. You get greater understanding. You get greater purpose. You walk out in a different way. You walk into the hallways of, of your job. You walk into your... Uh, Starbucks and you have different purpose you have different vision you're not shy to walk it out and to live out your faith every day because of what you read because I'm not worried about what the news tells me I'm worried about what Jesus thinks of me and he approves you and he loves you and he's proud of you and you need to keep walking it out every single day you can't be fearful of it you can't sit back and go oh someone else will do it someone else will do it maybe you should be the one that's supposed to do it Maybe you're supposed to be the visionary of your family. You're saying, you know what? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we're going to get in the Bible every day, and we're going to believe it. We have these things at our house. They're called Choose Wisely cards. And it gives a practical way where our kids can live out their faith. Because you know what? I have been equipped with two children, or I've been given two children, to steward for the goodness of God. And so guess what? I have to be the one that stewards them right. So we sit down and we do these Choose Wisely cards. Why? It's to get the Bible in them so that when they're in school, Carter was willing to sacrifice and hand out, willing his, forgetting about his reputation, and hand out 70 fallibration cards. He doesn't care because he, he knows Jesus is good, and he knows as long as Jesus is good, everything's good. Anyway, Proverbs 29, 18. I love this translation. Translation about this uh, passage of scripture. It says, without prophetic vision, people run wild. But blessed are those who follow whose teachings? God's. God's teachings. God has a plan. But when we, and when we get in this book, it gives us the plan in order to execute the vision. In order to execute the vision. You get vision from time with God. And when you put something in your heart like that, you get revelation to live it out. And once he gives you the revelation, when you pray through it and you get in his word, he then allows you to voice your vision. And one thing I do want to say about this, don't voice your vision to everyone. Let's just be honest. Because if you voice your vision, if it hasn't been prayed through, even if it's infant, if it's an infant I'm not talking about a baby. I'm talking about an infant dream or infant vision, something small to start that God has given you. If you voice that, what oftentimes will happen is you're going to run into naysayers. You're going to run into people that you think you love or that you think they love you, and they're going to cast your vision to the side. And they're going to they're throw it down. You're gonna, they're going to say, you know what? Your vision's too small. Your vision's not worth it. You're not equipped to do it. And I think that oftentimes visions are broken 
at that very place. That God has come to remind you through me today that there are greater visions in your life, but people have put them on the ground and they've gone and they've stomped your vision. And I'm here to remind you that the God of the universe, he has created you and there's greater vision that's in front of you than where you currently are. And whoever stomped on that vision in the past, maybe it was an abusive relationship, maybe it was a friendship, maybe it was someone that, that, that you thought loved you and cared for you and that was where the vision was gonna go, but yet it didn't happen. I've come to remind you that Jesus, if he gave you that vision, you can execute it, you can do it. You can trust in God that he will fulfill that vision that's in your heart but it's like what pastor bob said you can't quit so often we try to we 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 get these visions and these dreams and it doesn't have to be big vision can i just be clear oftentimes we say that vision has has to be grandiose it has to be large it has to impact the world but you know what if your vision's to be the greatest mom do that because you don't know what those what's inside those kids and you don't know how they're going to change the world maybe your vision is to be an encourager That was one of my father's visions. He wanted everyone to leave better than when they came and saw him. Well, what if that's your vision? Imagine the impact that you could have on this world by just being a straight-up encourager. I mean, we we have great... If you you have a dream to be a CEO and change the world by a nonprofit, that's awesome too. We need need it all. We can't just have these, these... corporate dreams and corporate vision we have to have some personal vision and some personal dreams for what we have that's here to here not just on a big scale and so i'm reminding you today that that you have you have to be mindful about who you communicate your dream to uh joseph in the bible he had a dream right did he communicate that dream to his brothers what happened they said oh we're gonna kill you talk about communicating a vision to the wrong person (laughs) And they ended up selling him into slavery because of communicating his vision to the wrong person. You see, it's so critical that you voice your vision to the right person. And and I want to encourage you in that vision. Voice it to the right person. And you want to know how you start that process? You pray the plan. You pray God gives you the plan in who to reveal it to. And so you can execute that vision for what's to come. There's a moment today that I came to Katie and I, we, we oftentimes have great dialogue, and I'm not going to voice the vision of what God said to me because I want to be mindful and, and, and sacred in that space, but God gave me something in my heart. And oftentimes what I found is when I don't voice my vision and God does it, I could have had a greater testimony if I would have voiced what God said to me. Amen. And so I, Katie, I came in here early to turn on the heat. You're welcome. Uh, this place is like a meat locker. <laughs> Come and pray first in January. You'll, you'll realize it. Anyways, uh, and so I came in here to turn the heat on and pray over the chairs and pray over this place. And Pastor Bob was preparing as well. And I, in the last two days or three days, God's just been giving me something. And oftentimes I hold it in. But I actually said to Katie, I said, you know what? I want to tell you this just because I don't know what this looks like. But if it happens, I want to have somebody else to testify what God spoke to me. And if it didn't happen in this right now in this moment, I'm going to keep that. I'm going to keep on holding on to that. I'm going to keep on moving forward. Because you never know what vision God has for you if you don't voice your vision. You have to voice that vision. Lastly, worship team, you can join me. Don't stop dreaming. Don't stop dreaming. You thought I was going to say don't stop believing. <laughs> yeah. Don't stop, don't stop believing too. That's true. Uh, journey. Hello. Uh, but don't stop dreaming. You see, Paul had that dream, like I said earlier, to preach in Rome. 
Romans 1.11 says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift that, may, uh, that make you strong. I long to see you doesn't sound like, oh, I kind of want to see you. That sounds significant, right? He longed to preach there, and Jesus visited him and said, hey, you're gonna, what you did in Jerusalem, you're also going to do in Rome. And so I think that this really sounds like a dream to me. And in Rome, in those times, was like Washington, D.C. of the United States. It was millions of people, wealth, uh, it was power, um, it was uh, the hub for government. So you can kind of see why Paul really wanted to go to Rome to preach. But in Acts 27, when you have a dream, this is why I say don't stop dreaming. Because you, when you have a dream that's inside of your heart, you you got to cling to that and you got to trust that, that God has placed that there because I'm going to tell you adversity is going to rise. Adversity is going to rise. Think about this. Paul in Acts 27, on his way to Rome, he was imprisoned. There was a storm. There was a conflict between the people on the boat that he was in the storm with that Paul kind of could have shut his mouth. Uh, he was shipwrecked. There was starvation. He drifted to land. He was bit by, by a viper in Malta all before he went to Rome. I mean, let me, let's talk about stomping on some dreams for a second. Like in prison, storms. That's not just like a, you know, like we go, oh, I have a storm. My storm is, oh, I, you know, like, I don't know what to eat today. You know, I mean, like, God, give me, you know what I need? You know, like we create these, we manufacture storms in our life that are so ridiculous. Like, oh, yeah, it's a, this is actually a physical storm where he had no control, a hurricane. Then conflict on the boat between interpersonal conflict. How many have ever had that before? Hello. <laughs> Shipwrecked, starvation, drifted by that, and then bit by a viper on Malta. Man, talk about that. Friends, the enemy is going to try to kill your dreams with worries and distractions. And I believe that, that worry and distraction often kill more dreams than failure ever has. I'm going to say that again because that's powerful. Worry and distraction kill more dreams than failure ever has. You see, I have this illustration. Um, if you don't go to Mexico with us to, buy, or to, a, um, to build the house, you need to because this is where you get these hats. They're amazing. Carter, Carter loves Japanese culture, and so he thinks this is his Japanese hat. But you see this hat. Can you still hear me? Okay. This hat is something that provides a level of vision. You see, like, I think a lot of us, when we get a dream, it's like this. It's tunnel vision for what that dream is going to come to. I mean, we see right exactly where we're supposed to go. We know it without a shadow of a doubt. We can see it. But then sometimes we have things that happen like Paul. I mean, none of us have been shipwrecked or, uh, or, or um, you know, bit by a snake, hopefully. But what happens is, is we have challenges along the way. The dream that we had with tunnel vision now starts to lift. And we can't clearly see where our vision lies and where our dream lies. And then what happens is in culture, our dream is here. God says, whatever your dream is, it's there. But we create this thing in our life and we get distracted by what lies ahead. And we have this dream that's here, but we can't do it here 
because we have money that is distracting us because we can't execute the dream because we don't either have the money or we have to make the money in order to, for the dream to take place and we don't know how to make the money because we also have to provide for our families. We're also, so we're focused on this. So what happens to my eyes with my vision or with my dream? It gets distracted. And everywhere I look, I only see this issue. Maybe you have, you've been wanting love and God has given you a dream, but you're distracted by, I need this in my life. And I, so I need this to survive. I need this in my life. And I, I, I know what God has given me in my vision and my dream, but yet I'm so distracted on what's in front of me. I can't actually physically see it because of what is currently in my situation. Uh, sometimes we allow this. I stole this from my daughter. She let me have it. We let this right get in the front of our sight. You know, we're comparing ourselves to, oh, they went on vacation? Oh, why am I not on vacation? Oh, they, they, they have this and I don't have this? Oh, they got a new car? How do they have money to have that new car? And so we get in a judgmental mindset. When, and so, I, you know, like our vision is really struggling now. If it falls off, don't worry about it. Um, but our vision is really struggling and our dream of what God has given us is really struggling because we're, we're distracted. Maybe it's your calendar. Yeah, I'm going to speak to some people today. Maybe it's your calendar today, and you're like, oh, I, I, I can't get a great, God, you've given me a great vision, but I don't have enough hours in the day in order for the, even this to take place, and I don't have, I can't put away the time because I have kids, I have, I have to be at work, I have so much on my plate, you don't even, I can't even serve at church because I have, well, maybe that certain vision of what God has for you is to serve at church, but your calendar is too filled up. Maybe you need to quit some things on your calendar in order for your dream to take place. Sometimes we don't have an issue with what's in front of us or our dream taking place it's just our calendar is too filled up with nonsense i'm gonna keep going maybe this and this is one in san diego that is big vacation because we are overworked we are stressed out we are frustrated and so what do we do we go on vacation because that cures all and it only leaves us more empty it only leaves us wanting more vacation when really we should be wanting more of the savior that could let the dream come to pass but we're so worried about vacation and this i'm not saying this is my thing but i put a picture of my family because i thought it'd be weird to put a picture of somebody else's family <laughs> but sometimes family can even cloud your vision because god has given you a vision for you to execute it but maybe you haven't taken the time to actually pray about the vision that's in front of you in order to bless your family. Maybe some of you have been so consumed with success that it's clouded your vision, that God has given you something that's in front of you, right smack dab, that is you had this and you, 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 you had that tunnel vision, but the level of success was greater than what God had planned for you. And this isn't condemning at all. This is just a reminder of how, really in reality, that life, look at how much stuff I have on. This is all necessary. And then this comes into to factors too. I'll put this right in the middle. And I'll turn it around so you can see it. Fear, worry, and anxiety. So what happened when I was a kid is you'd have this great vision, this tunnel vision. But as the course of life goes, I can't see my vision. I can't see my dream. Because I've let all of these things 
come in front of me compared to what God wants to do through me. Are all these necessary? Fear is not. <laughs> I cast that aside. That's not necessary. Anxiety and worry is not necessary. But I think that God wants to do some things today where he wants to take some of your distraction of money and he wants to get rid of it. He wants to take, I'm not saying he's getting rid of your family. Maybe you just need to reprioritize what's in front of you. And he wants to get rid of the fear and the worry and the anxiety. And you came here with that, walking through that. Maybe some of you just need to go get an old flip phone. Because what you've been looking at on the internet, let's just be real and honest. Oh, it's linked with vacation, so therefore they both have to go. Some of us need to just go and release some of this. And we need to get rid of, we need to start, rather than having, doing more stuff, I need to do more stuff, maybe you need to quit more stuff. Honestly, like your calendar's too, maybe you just need to quit it. Like, you know, like it's okay to go to the gym, this is speaking to me now, it's okay to go to the gym three days a week instead of seven days a week like I try to do. I, I, I can go and I can speak to myself. You know what? Maybe when you focus on Christ, this, I know that this is our relationship, that when I focused on Christ first and she focused on Christ first, our relationship actually grew. It didn't withdraw. It actually grew together. Maybe some of us need to... And then look at, once I get rid of all of the muck and the mire, what do I have that's in front of me? Clear vision. Clear dreams. Those are all necessary, but sometimes you have to get to a point where you can get back to this. Because when you get to this, I believe that all that other stuff will be a blessing, not a burden. If you would, bow your heads and close your eyes.